episode 28 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about two-player games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about King Domino Duel and Seven Wonders Duel. Both games are two-player-only spin-offs of existing board games. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about two-player games. We've been playing more games, just Aaron and myself, as our game group has been either online or distant, what have you. I thought it was just because we only had two microphones for the podcast. I don't. Always oh, a pandemic. Yeah, it right. it was it was. I don't want to say that because we've done a three we've done a three person episode. But I know we didn't have an additional microphone at the house for that. So we've been playing these. We two actually do have a third games. one. Let's keep going. Sometimes it's exhausting like the beginning of this intro. The two we're talking about today, King Domino Duel and Seven Wonders Duel. I thought it'd be fun to do the two duel ones in here. Though I must say, Seven Wonders Duel really does feel more like a duel. King Domino just feels like we're building happy little landscapes completely apart from one another. There's I mean, you are dueling. you're racing for the for the power-ups. Yeah, so In King Domino Duel, we'll dive into that one first. There are four dice with different kind of shield emblems on them. Kind of not like a family crest at all. Nowhere near that complicated, but it's that kind of vibe. One has a dot, one has two dots, one has a stripe, one has two stripes. I think there's kind of like a checkerboard and then a sort of filled in one. So there's four dice. And when you roll those, you will end up with two of them. That's kind of the closest this gets to dominoes. And you'll have to draw those two on this little grid that you have. You have to draw them together like they were a domino. This is true. And we could say that this was a map that we were drawing on. And I guess technically there's a picture behind it. But for all intents and purposes, it's just a, a big piece of graph paper. A small piece of graph paper with big graph blocks. Like... There's there's no additional meaning to where you place something on here. Right. Oh, I was just, I you know, I thought maybe you'd have... Uh, uh, I was actually just staring at the box that you have up on the screen here and thinking about how one of those encampments is over the ocean in the map and how that doesn't make any sense. And I thought you were going to keep explaining the game. Last time you explained the games and I interrupted you a bunch and you didn't seem to like it, so I was just going to let you keep going. I don't know if you interrupt me a bunch, but it was usually for vaguely related jokes. That's what I had. So oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. There's to... less jokes for King Domino because it is... It, I don't think people were itching for a dual version of this or a dice version of this. And it does feel like it was whatever other game and it just happened to get the King Domino brand. Right. Um, so there's not really a strong connection otherwise. If you're thinking, oh, I love King Domino, I'm definitely going to try this out. If you like Roland Wright's and drafting dice, yeah. then you should try this out, and it's probably going to be all right. So you each have a little a piece of graph paper. The dueling part of it is each one of those symbols has a power-up that's kind of like attached to it. And if you get those symbols, enough of those symbols before your opponent, you get the power-up. So every time take that symbol, you mark off a little box on this shared sheet, And whoever gets to the end of the row of boxes gets the power up. Different symbols have different numbers of boxes. And I think they're, I think they may be distributed on the dice differently 
as well. The, yeah, there's definitely... Well, and you didn't talk about the mechanic where sometimes the symbols have an X on them and sometimes they don't. And when they have an X, that's like a multiplier for score. And when they don't have an X, that's when you get to kind of increment the fact that you have more of that type. And that's what gets you closer to bonuses. Yeah. And the types that have the fewer boxes have better bonuses, but far fewer faces that don't have an X on them. So, like, for example, the best bonus is the one where you can just add an X to any area, and that's the all-filled-in crest. And I believe there's only one side of the die, one side of, the oh, of, of the any collective. of the dies that has mm. that face with no X on it. Yeah. And the the X is, so as you, as you place these, in the center of your graph paper is like this little starting kingdom that you don't get to write over. It um, gives you... You get to color in the top of the castle. And what is that? It, when you're on the top, you get to add an X. Is you get that to add is? an X to any of the dice that you place. So these dice, they have just one crest on each face of the die. Sometimes there is zero X's next to that crest. Sometimes there's one. Sometimes there's two. Those X's, when you uh, draw these crests on your map, you also draw any X's that might be there. The way that you score is for a given section of all matching crests, you will count the number of crests that are there and then you'll count the number of X's and you'll multiply those. So that means if you were like, oh, I'm going to get this little bonus, I'm going to race on the dual sheet and I'm going to get this bonus and you took a lot of die faces without X's, well, good for you in getting the bonus, but you're not going to score anything. It's completely possible to just score big fat zero for a given section if you have no X's. One of the bonuses is that you score three points for every unique section you have, and that would score you points for a this section is, that didn't have a cross. This is true. This is, the, this is a, a, a little bit of an exception to the rule. I do also want to point out that earlier, uh, you did miss out on a joke about how simple My Family Crest was. You said there were no jokes. There were jokes. Oh, what does that joke mean? Well, it, it's, now it's not time for the joke. Okay, well. I guess they would have heard it, so we'll keep moving on here. When you are drafting dice, you roll the die. Whoever was the first player takes one. It's serpentine. So the next person takes two, and then the first player is left with just the final dice, whatever wasn't chosen. And then that goes back and forth. So you alternate who goes who goes first. And you'll draw those two into your kingdom. They do have to be next to each other. Your castle in the center is considered like wild, so you can put any crest next to that one but as you keep filling things out you have to place a matching crest next to a matching one at least one and that is like king domino the, yeah, the yeah you have to you put place, the, yeah, i mean i feel like yeah. you were kind of critical of it it's I domino very things. i mean i feel like it's a it's it's a it's a symbol it's dominoes fine. yeah yeah so the game is just over once either when you've both filled out your map or when neither of you can fill out anything else, like with a given die roll. Because if you if you kind of take some weird angles and shapes, you'll find that you have unintentionally uh, isolated individual squares. And because you have to play two together, if you have an isolated square that's been filled all in around it, you're not going to be able to play anything there without the use of some kind of power-up. And even that, you can only do once. One time, and only one of you can get it because of the aforementioned mechanic. So there's a little bit of planning. And it's hard to do it like all over the place, um, but there's a little bit of planning. If you really want to optimize and make sure that you're not going to abandon any squares, you have to kind of be eyeing out where the next pairs are going to go in order and while you're doing that there's maybe five are there five different types or did i say six uh, types of crests 
So you're doing that There's and you're, six. you're trying to decide like, where should I leave extra space? And okay, this crest kind of family is getting really big. Are they going to, am I going to leave space for them above or below to keep expanding? And when do you shut things off? So that part of it is pretty solitaire because no one can really mess with what happens in your kingdom. There's no power that's like, you know, erase someone's crest or anything like that. Right. So what do you think of King Domino Duel overall? This is when we've, We've honestly played it a fair number I mean, of times. I like the game. I, I feel like it's it's well in the category of games that's that's simple enough to play that I barely have to reference the rules when I haven't played it in a while. Yeah, and and that that kind of makes a good like it, it's definitely a good coffee shop game, which is where we played it. That's it's my kind of game. I think the next game we're going to talk about, which you might not want me to be switching to already, not I don't really. like as well for the coffee shop environment. But I'll wait. King Domino Duel is always just a touch longer than I want it to be because you are doing that planning. There is a just a little bit of crunch. Again, if you're trying to kind of play things perfectly, there's a, just a little bit of crunch as you're trying to plan things out and leave the right amount of space for yourself. We haven't mentioned that the dice also have like a question mark face. So that's kind of like a wild. So sometimes there's wilds. And as you look at someone else's, this is the most you can mess with somebody else, really. You look at their kingdom and you can kind of, you can see like what groups they have and what things would be really beneficial for them. And you're kind of comparing that against what would be good for you and sort of like, ooh, can I take this so that they don't have, you know, yet another multiplier? Maybe there's a shield with an X. I don't want them to get yet another multiplier into that section. Maybe I'll take this and, you know, try to see if I can keep their points down a little bit. It's, you know, it's good, but like big picture, I feel like it's one that I... If we didn't keep it, I don't think I'd be horribly sad. Oh. And I mean, that noise suggests that we will, in fact, keep it. It's, I, don't, I don't dislike it, but the, the overall BGG uh, score on it, the average rating, is a 6.9. And I think I am kind of close to that. It's not, it's totally a solid game. It's just, you know, it's not kind of special to me. It's just some, some, not something that rises to the top of the pile. Yeah, I feel like for me, I like I like having occasional light games, and I would yeah. say for me, it's a great light game. Right, and I think that alone is a great reason to keep it because I love a I love a light game, and I think because I like light games so much, this light just isn't my favorite light one. Ah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on to Seven Wonders Duel. There's actually more than seven wonders in the game, which is weird. There are more than there's like a, quite a few more than seven because you at the very beginning of this game. The, again, the overall gist of what's happening here, it's still Seven Wonders. It still feels very Seven Wonders-like, but it's it very much is all those pieces broken apart and divvied up between two people. So instead of just having the one wonder, which is what happens in the main full-size game, that you play with three to seven people, in the two-player game, there are maybe 10 to 12 wonder cards and they have similar type things on them um as you would expect and you draft them you do like two rounds of a serpentine is it serpentine draft or i don't remember you do two rounds of a draft to get a total of four each so you put out four cards and i think it's it's two serpentine drafts you draft two and two you put out another four cards and draft two and two which is a similarity, honestly, because the the dice drafting in King Domino is serpentine. So there was just a bunch of serpentine going serpentine on. Serpentine dueling. And I, I think there's maybe, I think why you see that serpentine come up, it's a very interesting balancing mechanic. It's not, 
I pick, you choose, but it's a little close to that because yes, you get to go first. Yes, you get to prioritize something. But then the way the second person gets to leave you with something is, I think, there's a lot of strategy oh, in that. Oh, middle, middle in a two-player serpentine is by far the best position. Because you have three, yeah. You always make your second choice knowing what your first choice is going to yield. I think that's just way better. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm more of a tactical kind of player, so I don't really have too much stress about taking the first thing and feeling like this thing is the thing that I really want, and I'm kind of okay within whatever comes back. Like, I'm kind of good to roll with the punches there. Anywho, you end up starting with, as you may have added up, eight total wonders on the table. Well, that's not in the title of the game at all. So one of the ways, uh, one kind of feature of the game is you're not going to both be able to build all of your wonders. Once there are seven built wonders, the eighth one just gets discarded. It doesn't get to be built. So there's like a tiny sub race happening there within the game. But there's nothing saying you have to build all seven either. The game could just end before you yeah, do I mean, that. It could be six wonders or five wonders. Honestly, yeah. we could have a podcast episode on what the world would be like if only the seven wonders we completed in a game were built. Gosh, that sounds like a lot of research. Maybe something for Jason. Oh, I'm not with doing his, that, actually. Yeah, he knows a lot more trivia, history. He's kind of got that degree. Anyways, that's just the very beginning of the setup. The main part of the game, you still play in three rounds, like in three phases, and you do still have cards for each phase, but instead of having a hand of cards that you are drafting and passing back and forth between the other players, in Seven Wonders Duel, you lay them out in these distinct shapes, like a pyramid kind of a thing, where you have rows of cards, some are face up and some rows are face down, and you can only take a card that is fully uncovered, like doesn't have any other cards on top of it. So you do still get to like, you know, pick a card. There may be a cost associated with it, just like the cards we know and love from regular Seven Wonders. And you add that to your own tableau again, same as the main game. There's some small differences, though, about where you go from there. When you discard a card, you can still do that. You can still pick up a card and just discard it, not actually take it. Maybe you can't afford it. You can discard it and get two gold. On top of that, every yellow card that you have in your tableau earns you another gold when you discard. And what are some of the... the you have to pay for the resources different, too. Yeah, so the resources have uh, not a fixed cost, because I can't remember the word, a variable cost, based on how many of any given resource your opponent is making. So it costs yeah. two for any resource. But if, for example, I want clay and Kelly's making three clay, then I have to pay five to buy a, a clay that I don't have. So uh, that can be a little take thatty, especially if you need well, a resource and, and they've collected all the things. And what you're using is a very specific example from the game that we just played. Oh, you had stone and not clay. Oh, not clay. But it was the same concept. Sure. Yes, where... And I, you know, you're, when you're just kind of looking at your cards playing your half of the game, you can be, you know, it's only one other person. I guess other people are fully aware. I was not fully aware that the that the cost for a given resource had gotten so high for Aaron and he, he just didn't have a way to get more of it. Also, I needed wood and yeah. all of the wood resource cards. So there's three cards in every age that don't make the game. Yeah. All in the first two ages, like... 80% of the wood cards that were there like didn't enter the game and I like yeah. basically picked my wonders for wood synergy so that I could just get wood and build them all and I think that's and something I built 
none of them. No, I actually built three of them, but it yeah. was hard. Yeah, he, de- yeah, he definitely built three of them. Um, however, back to that beginning draft, your wonders, they don't have three stages, two or three stages to them. They just have one stage to them. So you just build it. You put one card underneath it. It's built. When you're doing that initial draft, I don't, I think you say, you're kind of saying you were paying attention to this. I was not. I was not paying attention to the fact that all of my needed stone and and quite a bit of it and yours all needed wood. I think it maybe in future games, you kind of have to think, is that the best idea? Maybe I should have a mix of resources in, in one way, if you can specialize and you can get all of them. But in the other way, if they don't come up, you now have a very expensive path to your wonders. So maybe it just depends on what's on them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's. it depends on also your opponent. So if your opponent is not going to pay attention to what you're doing mm, and me. they're not going to try to block you from the thing that you obviously need, then I don't. Then I think the risk of the three cards it's not that bad. being... No, it's too, it's too low to care about. But if you're playing an opponent that's going to be very interactive and it's going to notice that you need stone and it's mm. going to try to hike the price of stone up on you, right. maybe better to, to create variety to make yourself less defensible. When you and I play, we're not typically trying to get you like doing the got you stuff. So, no. man, less important. I'm usually thoroughly oblivious and just trying to manage my own area to be thinking about someone else's area and my area it's i think it's why i don't like deception games a lot as well like i i just thinking about my own things is gonna be enough for me there's also the instant win conditions which i don't think you care for i think i mean ultimately no i don't there's a military instant win which we haven't mentioned there's a military track instead of just scoring a points for having more military than the other person there's this tug of war track and every time you play a military card for every shield that's on it you move this shield token like you kind of advance it towards their side as if you're going to like storm their capital so if that token ever actually does storm their capital then you win automatically and for science this is one that we um really skated close to the edge with uh on our last play for science if you have seven different scientific symbols, if any one person does, they instantly win because they're just, uh, their society, I think, becomes so advanced. Right. We didn't realize that was the exact kind of wording of that rule. I thought I had to get a bunch there are of these the progress tokens, and progress we were tokens mixing that you the get two for up. For getting science. Yeah, and I thought I had to get six yeah. progress tokens and was woefully behind. And that goal. And now it seems like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Six progress tokens would have been super difficult. I think to impossible. Get. Yeah, yeah, like probably. Possible. There's one. five out there. You, have, you to have to take to get the, wonder the one wonder that does it, which may not even one. be in the draft. And you know what? That's why it's not the actual rule. That's why we had it way wrong. So we got to the third age, and we correctly read the rule after looking for some clarification. Turns out I was one card away from instantly winning. Yeah, and there, those symbols, the symbols that he could have used to win, were out there for that age. So my entire third age was purely. Don't let Aaron get the last symbol. Which and, you succeeded. And which was fine because you were crushing me on points because I was just trying to collect science. Yeah. But I think if I had if I had known I had to worry about that the whole time, I would have been far more stressed. I think it I think the ability for me to do that in the end was just a bit of luck because everything does have to be played out just perfectly. And there's this way of you'll feel this when you first start playing. They're the way that you have to only take cards that don't have another card on top of them. 
you can get into these shapes where you can force your opponent to take a card because that's the only un fully uncovered card. Right. You kind of get into a diamond shape, you know, where it's going down to a point. So when you're playing, you become acutely aware as you dig into that strategy of, oh, am I going to take this card? Because then that will free up these two new cards in the next row. And then they'll get to pick from these new cards. Or can I take this other card, which is closer to the edge, and that'll force them to take this remaining card and then I'll get to see the new cards. Because the shape isn't the same every age because you have face up and face down cards and then just because you'll be building towards different things, I think there's just a huge amount of replay in this game. I've heard the app is very well received and I can see how it's one where you could iterate it over and over again because that different little mix keeps you from being able to have one set strategy all the time, I think. Right. And I feel like I could have, I think as I could have retconned, like I made a mistake too because I didn't know you built your fourth wonder. So yeah. I did actually get one of the cards and then Kelly pointed out that I, I, I did so by getting a, a consecutive turn, which allows you to like take a card you otherwise wouldn't have been able to get. But Kelly pointed out that she had built her fourth wonder, which prevented me from building my fourth wonder and then was successfully able to prevent me from... Because a fair amount of the wonders, and this is something, again, maybe to other people, they, this is like strategically super clear from, from moment one. This is only as I played it, did I kind of realize that extra action is huge. Oh, it's it's the, it, it, like getting those is, is crucial to the game. In fact, I wasted one earlier mm -hmm. because I had forgotten. I, I just wasn't thinking that I wasn't going to be able to build my fourth and, wonder. Yeah. So I might have been able to get that science card if I had saved... Because I used yes. the replay action in an underwhelming way. Right, just to have another turn, which is still, it's still nice to get another turn. Earlier in the game, I kind of discovered how powerful they was they were because I took a big turn. Three in a row. Yeah, so I did a turn and completed a wonder that had a uh, take another turn action, took another turn, which completed a wonder, which had to take another turn action. And while I was doing that... I was taking things that I did not want Aaron to have. Like it was just kind of a, there was a layout where I was like, they, we have a cluster of cards that are stronger for him. There was one like money card and he was really low on money, whatever the other ones were. I don't remember, but they were just a cluster of cards that were really strong for him. So I happened to pull the trigger on that strategy at a really good time, not even really realizing how good it was. I think the only thing I now kind of dread is, you know, you, you start playing a game and you're just, you're playing it and you're enjoying it. And when you kind of see that next level of strategy, I think there is a le like- A level of excitement? I, and, and maybe I would describe it as gentle dread, especially in a, in a dual game and something that's very versus, very head to head, right. which is not my default. My default happy space is like a multiplayer solitaire. So then it's like, oh, I didn't even think to consider this. Now on one hand, I think you can win without really getting into that space. So I don't know that it's always productive to be trying to see what you can take away from someone else. I think you can get distracted and not, I think it's easy to go down that path a little too far and end up not actually netting yourself enough points. No. And I think, I, I think in interactive games like that, it's a lot like, oh, I'm going to make like a chess analogy. And I think when I got better at chess is when I realized that the best thing you can do in chess is do two things with one move. And I think when you can improve your score and harm your opponent in one move, 
that's that's the time and place to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I think in something like this, it's going to be improving your score is a big area. Like a lot of things could improve your score. So I feel like it's not it's not always as clear cut when you're taking something. Like for example, it, when it's six coins, a card, it's a yellow card, it's six coins. Well, if you have it instead of someone else, that means every time you discard a card, not only did you get those six coins, you're going to get an additional coin. Then, but if you already have a lot of money and you don't know what they're going to discard, depending on what else is out there, it can be hard to weigh something like that against maybe something like military where you're going to move this icon and that's going to get you victory points. Well, having the money, how many victory points is having the money going to get you versus you know moving up maybe on the military track especially in a late game where it's gonna be harder to push it back the other way right you think i think the military's better than in late game and the money's better early game but i you know it's just i i i at least find those things very hard to accurately weigh out so i feel like i'm unless it's something pretty obvious i think i'm guessing and those guesses may not be too too uh i don't know what would you say too accurate I feel like for me, all of these games, I make those guesses all the time, and then I evaluate the success of them, and then my guesses get better over time. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And I, you were doing more trials, anyways. We are kind of getting into the weeds. Is there anything that we missed about this? We didn't talk too much about the progress tokens, but they're not super exciting. And in our case, we did not get any. You no, have you, to get you two blocked the same... me from all of them. Okay, I mean. I did, but you also had basically in you that had one six... triple turn. You're just like, yeah, all the things you wanted. I don't know that that's as accurate as you're saying it is, but you did have six science, and I had no science you had for three science by the end. By the <laughs> end, but you had three or four before I had one. So yeah, I didn't actually buy a single. I was prevented from buying a single science card after the first age. But I think we are. We're getting farther into the weeds. You, I mean, that's, I think that's impossible. I. All of my science cards were brown. The only exception is the science symbol I got in the third age. Then how did you how did you have I had five. I bought five. You bought five in the first age? Yeah. So you had five before I had one. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, we didn't actually use any of those. Sometimes they're just points, oh, sometimes four. Because I had five to- it's six to win. I had four in the first age, and it's then I got the science symbol. Oh yeah, we did say it was yeah. six to win. Yeah. Anyway, I had four in the first age. I was not able to acquire any more. Yes, yes, yes. I like it. I love it as a game. I would like to play it a lot more, even though I'm hearing you say maybe not. And I just don't like we played it like at a coffee shop and I don't like I'd rather be at home. Like it's it, it, it's big enough. I want to be like at home where I can make my own coffee. And, OK, you making know, your own coffee is the well, thing. I can have as much as I want. We, it wasn't that long of a game. Yeah, but I got to be. You know what? Okay, we, I didn't know that. Really that calling me on a thing, I was just meant to be a passing sentence. Well, I didn't know that was going to be the reason. I thought you were going to say just that making it's, up stuff. Sure, I thought you were going to say that it was distracting, like ha- being somewhere out. There was oh. more distraction, and you felt like you wanted to laser and focus. If anything, that's the reason that I wouldn't want to play it at home. I don't. You're laser and focus on something that you want to like. Thoughts you really want to crunch mm. crunch on is not always my favorite i don't love the setup for it be you you make this card pyramid and you have to make it uh, as the rules show and they have handy little you know they have handy little guides for that and reminders a little a little card but i think that and more than once because we were kind of holding on to the rules as reference it because we haven't played this a ton 
And more than once, I accidentally knocked the rules into the main display and kind of and gently skewed the cards. Now, should I have put the rules somewhere else? Obviously, obviously I should have. And maybe that's something where if you're at home, you're on, if your home has an even bigger table, or maybe you just pick a bigger table than you think you need at the coffee shop, because it, it does take up, it, it does take up a fair amount of space, even though the cards are little, they're the not normal tiny, yeah. size cards. But then your tableau, you know, and it's, yeah. I will say I liked a lot a lot a lot what the I, I don't like the setting it up but the pyramid structure where some of the cards are hidden some only some yeah. of the cards I like I, I just really like what that does to gameplay yeah and there are a few different games that use that sort of use that sort of structure I don't think I have anything wrong I don't think I have anything against that structure for implementing Seven Wonders as a two player game I do see like what all the fuss is about it's not just you you feel like you're you feel like if you play this a lot and went back to Seven Wonders. It's not just dice on a grid. It's not just dice on a grid, like some other dual games. I think if you play this a lot and went back to Seven Wonders, it wouldn't like strictly translate. But I I think that you do stay in the same mind space for this. Yeah, that seems fair. I I think it is more thematic than King Domino Duel. I like them both. So here's if you had to keep one. Oh, he looks so upset that I, I even asked. I'll keep both. I'm not going to get rid of either one of them. I know I get rid of a lot of games. I would, I would, I would keep King Domino Duel because I would rather play Seven Wonders. Oh, okay, okay. Like, and King Domino, as you've pointed out, is sufficiently different than King Domino Duel. Okay. So uh, King Domino Duel, like his own game, Seven Wonders Duel, just makes me want to play Seven Wonders. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I, based on the things I already said, I just feel like I have other roll and write games, even light ones, that I might just like a little more. So I'd probably keep Seven Wonders Duel. But oddly, I think King Domino Duel would get played more, you know, between the two. I mean, it's, I think a lot of times lighter games get played more. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I have further analysis on lighter games get played more. So, Duel. Duel done thank you so much for listening to episode 28 be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop you can follow us on instagram twitter and twitch at variant hex we have a website and a blog at varianthex.com, and you can email us at podcast at variant if you've played these two-player spinoffs or know of any others we should try, please let us know on any of the platforms I've just mentioned. The next episode will be me and Aaron again talking about our game of the month for January. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you'll hear me and Adam talking about art and board games. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. <laughs>